Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Give online therapy a try at betterhelp.com slash 365 and get on your way to being your best self. A common misconception about relationships is that they have to be easy to be right. But sometimes the best ones happen when both people put in the work to make them great. Therapy can be a place to work through the challenges you face in all of your relationships, whether with friends, work, your significant other, or anyone else. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit BetterHelp.com slash 365 today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash 365. BetterHelp.com. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Stuart Mandel, TheAthletic.com, joins us. Craig Smoke, Paul Catalina, David Smoke on 365 Sports. Stuart, thank you very much for your time. We were debating this and discussing this as the possibility of however the 5-plus-7 format, how many of the conferences fill those roles, and there's always rumors it could be two that fill eight of them or whatever. Um, There is no way do you see those who may not be a part of the next level hierarchy accepting a level below being FBS competing for a national title, would they not just crumble with a lack of money? Okay, so are we talking about the next two years of the CFP or the, no, the, the, the new conference? Looking at the future, when the, the report, there yeah. was a couple of reports that conferences wanted four of the 12, that could oh, be I eight see. of the 12, and that's political, we know that, or maybe even negotiating, but... I, I was saying this, like, for example, using Baylor or TCU, if they weren't able to at least have hope to compete for a national title in football, they would have roots growing out of different parts of their stadium of which they still owe millions of dollars that they built. I think that when the CFP was originally established, and, of course, I was coming out of the BCS, you know, that was a time when you had commissioners like Mike Slive at the SEC and Jim Delaney. And when you look at it, it's a pretty um, equitable setup, right? Each of the Power Five conferences got the same share of the revenue. And, you know, there's nothing to say like, oh, the Big Ten 
is grandfathered a spot every year or anything like that. But as we go into this next era, you know, so much has changed with realignment. A whole conference has gone away in the Pac-12. And it seems like this is going to be more um, contentious, more uh, adversarial. And you've got the SEC and the Big Ten who are saying, hey, we produce way more of the value. Uh, we have, you know, the large majority of the powerhouse programs. We want certain uh, guarantees. If you're the Big 12 and you are looking out for the best interests of TCU and Baylor, obviously you're going to say that's not fair. Um, you know, our programs compete at the highest level. We have, you know, results from you know, Baylor beating SEC teams in, in bowl games and TCU going to the national championship game. Like, it's, you know, treat us with the, the proper respect. The problem is who has the leverage in the situation? The Big 12 and the other conferences, you know, if, you, if you're going to have a playoff, the SEC and Big Ten have to be in it. It's not going to be a credible playoff if they're not in it. So we're going to find out here soon how well can all the, these different parties get along because, you know, the SEC and Big Ten, well, I'm sure, will threaten if they don't get what they want. But we don't need you guys anyway. We'll just go do our own thing. Um, but that might just be more of a negotiating tactic than an actual possibility. Yeah, Stuart, why not just do that? You know, if, if ultimately that's what the end goal is, why not just go ahead and do that? It's not as though they, you know, need to worry about their reputations all that much in the long run necessarily. So what prevents that, you think? Is it really, like a Greg Sankey has said, trying to do the best for the entire ecosystem? Or is that just lip service and, and that's what the end goal is anyways? You know, Greg Sankey is a college sports lifer. He used to be the commissioner of the Southland Conference. People don't believe him, but I do think he – wants the whole system to be healthy and you know it wouldn't be healthy for college football if you didn't have a true now it would be like we were turning back the clock to 1997 right mm -hmm. um everybody in the country should be part of the same playoff and look historically it, it would just work out probably that the sec and big 10 would have the more majority of the slots but at least if you're in other conferences you go into the season knowing you've got a shot i don't know what to you know there's been so much turnover in the commissioner ranks. So I, I know Greg, I've known him for a long time. I kind of know how he thinks. Tony Petiti has been at the big 10 for less than a year and his background as a TV executive. And I don't know if he's looking out for the greater interest of college sports. He may just be looking out for the greater good of the big 10. And, you know, right. Your marks are relatively, you know, new to college sports as well. It's just been such a change. You know, we talk obviously about the, the changes externally in this sport over the last three years with portal NIL and obviously realignment. There's also just been a lot of change in the leadership and it's really harder than usual to forecast how everybody's going to act. Stuart, they, um, is, do you think that throwing out, we want four automatic qualifiers is the way that they can get two? because obviously if you were Notre Dame and the other seven conferences to be like, well, that only leaves one spot for us every single year. And there might be years where you're the, the fourth ranked team is the 20th ranked team in the country and they'd hop eight teams to get there. So we'll give you two if you just, you know, stop this push right now. Perhaps. I mean, I think there's going to have to be a lot of compromises all around across the board. I mean, I don't know. I mean, if I thought the, if we don't actually know yet, they're meeting right now. We don't actually know yet for sure what, what's being proposed, but you know, I thought, the more likely scenario would be that the SEC in particular push for there just being no guaranteed births at all. Mm -hmm. And you'll take the top 12 teams, how they finish. And if they happen to be, um, 
six from the SEC and one from the Big 12, and that's how it is. And then some years, Big 12 might have three, and the SEC might have two. Um, that's just, you know, the way it works out in a given year. But over time, the SEC and the Big 10, just by nature, having these big conferences full of these big brand programs, are going to have the majority of the, the, the berths in that umbrella. The only way I could think why they feel like they have to guarantee themselves a certain number of spots is because then they can say, okay, well, you know, if we claim uh, one-third of the uh, spots, then we deserve one-third of the revenue. And you guys only deserve 15% of the revenue. Because at the end of the day, I think that's what's underlying this all. Yes, the fans care most about the access and the seating and all that. But, like, I think at the end of the day, the, the point of contention here is going to be revenue. We know the number now, $1.3 billion a year. How is it going to be divided up? It's certainly not going to be divided up equally like it has been in this past system. Yeah, I think that even the the non-larger two conferences may take less money. I'm not saying they would accept that, but that maybe, okay, but not give up the number of teams just because. We brought this up earlier. Stuart Mandel, theathletic.com, is um, if you, in fact, give a conference four automatic or at-large automatic bursts, Ford, yeah, it would be automatic burst, conference champion or not. What if that third or fourth team is like ranked 15th in the country when the college football standings come out? So wouldn't that be kind of hard to do? Yeah, and actually that's what Greg, you know, one of the reasons Greg Sankey has advocated for um, no automatic burst is for that reason. Mm-hmm. There was a year a couple of years ago where under the 5-7, uh, you know, system, the pit was the ACC champion that year and they were ranked outside the top 15, I believe. And, you know, they would have gotten in above some SEC teams that were ranked higher. And, you know, that, that's his argument for there just shouldn't be automatic words. So to go from that to we're going to guarantee three or four, regardless of where the team is ranked would be a total 180 from what he said before. Stuart did, um, Kirk Schultz is kind of out there saying, you know, kind of being the source for all these things is that because he is he's got to maybe be the guy who uh, can throw the brakes on some of this and you know he, he obviously didn't get what he wanted by being able to remain a power five school uh, so now he's got to throw out any kind of roadblocks he can to to slow the the big ten and and the others down I think that he's yeah I mean perhaps he's he's I and, you know I think he he realistically knew that the proposal he was making was not going to get Approved. I think he, you know, the presidents, right, at the end of the day are almost like politicians. They have various constituents they have to please. And I'm sure it gets him a lot of points with his base, if you will, Washington State fans, community, to know that he's in that room fighting for them. Ultimately, I think it's a losing fight. Um, they're not going to get any sort of special status in the, in the playoff going forward. But it seems like he was just taking a stand. Um, he happens to be, you know, a lot of these university presidents, as you guys know, are not all that versed in sports. Mm-hmm. He's one of the ones who definitely is. And so I'm not surprised to see him standing up and, you know, raising concern about that sort of thing. I think some of the presidents, frankly, don't even know what's going on. You know, we saw that mm-hmm. in the in the, um, in the past week where, you know, the Athletic reported about the new ESPN deal and we had all this blowback from, commissioners and, and the Mac commissioner were not saying that's not accurate. That's not accurate. Well, it is accurate, but they don't want their presidents to read that headline and say, Oh, you guys didn't consult us first. You know, 
no, you're gonna they're gonna approve it. They're the board. They get final say. It hasn't changed, but they don't follow this stuff closely enough sometimes to realize that. Uh, Kirk Schultz just happens to be one of the probably top two uh, percent of college presidents who cares about athletics. Stuart, taking off, I guess you can keep your, your reporter cap on, but just from a, a college football fan standpoint as well as, as being a reporter and a guy who's watched a lot of uh, the sport over the last several decades now, uh, you've seen the old systems, uh, the BCS, the 14 playoff. Now here we have the 12, and there's already the chatter, as you well are, are well aware, about 16. Uh, and we haven't even – I mean, the, the 12, the ink has dried as of like a day ago. Um, what right. do you think about the 12, and what – is your preferred system, if anything, when it comes to determining a national champion? When they first announced the, the system they came up with for 12, I thought it was great. Uh, it made a lot of sense. Um, if anything, it was, you know, throwing a bone to the group of five, knowing that if it's six births at a time, at least one of them is going to get in the playoff. Um, I liked the idea that everybody has something to play for. Either playing for a bye or you're playing for home field or obviously you're just playing to get into the playoffs. So it all made a lot of sense, and then everything blew up uh, with the conferences in particular. Um, I also think a headache that they're going to have to deal with is the transfer portal window happening at the exact same time as this playoff that's going on in mid-December. Um, and I don't have a great answer for that, but there's going to be guys on those playoff teams that are going to enter the portal. I don't think we should be naive to think, well, my team's still alive for championship. I'm just not going to do it. Um so there's a lot. There's a lot of things to be worked out. I hope we don't skip straight to 16. I don't. I don't think they will. That might be. I mean, these playoffs always get bigger and bigger. So I wouldn't be surprised if that comes eventually. But I do think there's something uh, appealing in terms of like, because you know, people will say there are some people. My colleague Ari Wasserman being one of the most outspoken. This is going to be the worst thing to happen. It's going to totally devalue the regular season in college football. And while I don't agree with that, um, part of the reason I didn't think that would be the case is because of what I said before. You, you're going to get down to the last weekend of the season, and not only are more teams going to have a chance at the playoff, but, you know, if you could be Georgia. You know you're going, right? Like, it's not even a question. But you want to get that by, or you want to get home field. So you go to 16, and everybody's going to play the same amount of games. It's not going to particularly matter uh, where you're seated. Um, you know, then I think you do have to start worrying about the effect on the regular season. Stuart, I, I think that the argument for it uh, hurts the regular season, the twelve team playoff, is uh, backwards. I think it hurt it like hurts September a little bit more than when you have those big non conference games. You know, Alabama and Texas, FSU and LSU, and that could you know that loss could stay with you the whole year if that was your your one big one hanging on you. It probably makes that a little less valuable, but you're right. It makes November way more valuable than it's been. I, uh, the the idea that the stakes of any one individual game are, are lower, I think that kind of went out the window once we left the BCS. I mean, if you remember, you know, basically any era of college football before the CFP, one loss was it. Like, you, you know, for, for an example, you guys certainly remember, right, the year that, Baylor beat uh, Kansas, undefeated Kansas State, mm-hmm. and uh, that same day Oregon lost to Stanford. Both those seasons were done. Like, they weren't going to go to the national championship game. It was the ultimate stakes. That hasn't been true for anyone since we went to the play. Everybody can afford one loss. Um, you can't afford two, but everybody gets a mulligan, and that's obviously going to be the case still 
in the 12 team playoff. But like you said, I mean, I think the main, one of the main reasons we're going to this is that um, you got to November and it was like seven schools playing for four spots. Like not a lot of, not a lot of suspense. Um, Last year actually ended up being an exception to that. So yeah, more teams are going to be playing in November and into early December with a shot at the playoff, not just the obvious names. I mean, I got to imagine a lot of people are going to be watching if it's for well, last year, a lot of people are going to be watching Liberty the last weekend of the season to see if they're going to make it into the playoffs. So I think it's better for interest across the board, across the sport, which is why when we start talking about that, I, I don't actually think the SEC is going to get four automatic spots. That might be a negotiating tactic, but if they did, it would be like all of this that we've been talking about for three years and adding interest to the season, giving everybody else hope would just go out the window. Stuart, last thing for me, and we appreciate your time. Stuart Mandel, TheAthletic.com. On the television deal that ESPN apparently apparently is the uh, uh, the lone wolf in the room, that they're going to get it. It's just a matter of how much anything is ever confirmed and finalized. Uh, were they? Do you know if they're disappointed on how much they might actually get in all this? Or, or uh, college football leaders disappointed in how much they'll get from ESPN? Or is it about what you thought it would be? I think that at the time they announced it in 2021, it was kind of at the peak of the sports TV market. Um, I mean, the Big Ten deal, I think, was like a 200% increase in the span of six years. So, yes, at the time, I think they would have expected more. Um, but uh, everybody realizes it's softened since then. I think what caught them by surprise the most was that people didn't value the first-round games that much. You know, we're adding – here you think, okay, we're adding four more games – meaningful games to the postseason and theoretically anybody could have gotten them uh, in this first in in the current season and there just wasn't that much interest in them or, or certainly not in a lot of interest in um, if you're Fox you get some of those games and then you're that's it you're not part of the rest of the playoffs so that kind of gave ESPN a leg up where they were the only ones that wanted those games they had first right of freeze on those games but of course smartly they said we'll pay you for this if we get an extension so um, I think it was kind of a ripple effect, right? The, you've already got companies that aren't spending as much as they used to, and there wasn't a lot of, as much value as they saw in first-round games, and probably pushed down the total number they could get. It's still a lot of money. That's not $1.3 billion is a lot of money and mm-hmm. a lot more than what they were getting in the previous deal. But I think, yeah, at the time they announced it, there was talk of maybe doubling or tripling uh, their take from the previous deal, and that just didn't end up happening. Stuart, thank you for your time. A lot of things. College football is a, a daily deal, sometimes multiple stories uh, in one day. Thanks for your time. Stuart Mandel, TheAthletic.com. This has been a Rogue Media Network production. Rogue.